Good morning, everyone. If you have your Bibles, please open to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to get back to uh, that verse <coughs> in a few moments. Um, I heard uh, somebody say this yesterday at a restaurant, so I'm going to go ahead and claim it. I have a, I have a Preble County cold this morning. Um, does anybody else have, a Preble, have the Preble County cold yet? Anybody? Okay. For those of you that don't, um, I'll be happy to share it with you, all right, just as... Uh, just 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 because I'm that kind of person. OK, now, um, so I might give a fist bump or something like that. But hey, hey, look, this is just part of life. You know, you got to look at the bright side of these things. You wake up one morning and you sound a certain way. So maybe 300 days of the year and you wake up and you sound different. You talk a little different. So put up with me a little bit this morning is is I will be a little bit congested. And I promise you everything will be fine, and uh, perhaps I, I will not share my cold with you. But we're going to begin um, a new series. Before I do this, yes, I, I want us just to make sure um, we've been doing the, the cards for Leanne. This is it. This is round six, all right? I compare, I sent her, I said something to her, I compared it to like a, a cage fight, but they only have five rounds for the, for the toughest cage fights. She's going at round six as a true champion, going in strong. So if you guys got cards, I will be, I'll be visiting, visiting her, her this week. If you want to mail them to her, that's fine. But if you, uh, if you want to get them to me as well, that, that, that's great. But this is the end of the road. Um, so she's going to be uh, going through this. Obviously, she gets, she gets chemo. She gets another tough week to recover. And it's going to be a couple more weeks still. Now, I'm not really supposed to share this, but she's not here, so I am anyway. And it may or may not work out. But the plan is um, on December 17th, when we have our children's Christmas program, she's going to be our guest speaker on that Sunday. Okay? So you can. Sh- so this would be a, a, a should be a fun time for her. She's she's loaded with a lot of things to share through these experiences of how God has been moving in her life, and uh, she's definitely got an empowering word to share with the congregation. So um, let's be praying for her um, as she finishes strong um, through her chemotherapy. So we are going to begin a series today entitled, It Wouldn't Be Christmas Without. Now, before I do that, as we're praying for Leanne, and and as we begin this series, let's begin with a word of prayer. Well, Lord, we thank you for our sister who has gone through um, these months of, of this battle with cancer. And we thank you that we see your hand bringing her through it, and not just um, the, the testimonies, the results from her, from her scans, but also for what's happening in her spirit. She's coming out with a new perspective on you and a new grasp on life. And Lord, that is what each and every one of us were created to do. So thank you for your, your hand upon Leanne and, and, and around her family. And may this season of challenge, of discomfort, be, bring about some of the greatest fruit, not only in her life, but that would bring about eternal fruit in the lives of those she interacts with. And Lord, today, as we sit as a congregation here in worship to you, may our hearts be open to hear your word today as we begin this Christmas season. Lord, give us perspective as to how we are to look at things in light of the culture that we live in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, series is called, It Wouldn't Be Christmas Without, and I can maybe fill in some blanks for you. It wouldn't be Christmas without a Christmas tree. Does anybody have an upside-down Christmas tree yet? They, they were saying that's, that's the new crave. So just like next year, everybody's going to have one, so you might as well go get one now, okay? 
upside down Christmas tree time. And you know what's best about them? And this is what they tell us, right? This is what they like, like to tell us with all the commercials. You can fit so many more presents around an upside down Christmas tree than a regular Christmas tree. So be sure to get your upside down Christmas tree. Probably I'd just go ahead and get it today, okay? Tomorrow's Cyber Monday. You can do it tomorrow too. Um, it wouldn't be Christmas without Christmas cookies. It wouldn't be Christmas without Christmas lights. It wouldn't be Christmas without presents. It wouldn't be Christmas without stockings. And maybe you, could you fill in one for me? It wouldn't be Christmas without something that's real personal to you or something that happens in your homes. You got to fill in for me? Family. It wouldn't be Christmas without family. What else? It wouldn't be Christmas without the dog eating the ornaments. For my wife, it wouldn't be Christmas without National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I think she's watched it five times in two days. What else? It wouldn't be Christmas without Christmas music. All right, well, I've got this one that I put in parentheses. I hope the congregation says this one. It wouldn't be Christmas without snow. That wasn't it. Close. Actually, not close at all. It wouldn't be Christmas without... Yes, thank you. It wouldn't be Christmas without Jesus. Now, now there's, there's all these things, including Jesus, that we like to talk about at Christmas. But this series is going to be a little bit different. I want to talk, what about the things that we know that it wouldn't be Christmas without, but we don't want to talk about? We actually don't really want to think about. We try not to think about too much or certainly don't tell everybody else that we're thinking about things because it's Christmas and we need to smile. Like, it wouldn't be Christmas without stress. It wouldn't be Christmas without, oh, don't put that up there yet. No, it's too early, too early. Nick doesn't have, Nick doesn't have my uh, slides, so it's not his fault. He doesn't have my slides. So you don't know where I'm going with this. Pretend like you never saw that. It wouldn't be Christmas without credit cards. It wouldn't be Christmas without family conflict. It wouldn't be Christmas without way too many decorations in the house. <laughs> they have to trip up. We got this new, new giant-sized Santa, honey. I think it'll look great right in the middle of the living room floor. So maybe, maybe some of these things are funny, but even for some people, there might be times, and this season is actually a little bit darker, where you're having memories of wishing things were the way that they were before. And feeling that maybe today isn't as good as it was, this Christmas wasn't as good as it was last year or 10 years ago, remembering those moments. And when I bring things up like that, you may say, Pastor Brody, why would you bring things like this up? We want Christmas to be perfect. But we all know when you say that, what you mean is the facade of perfection, the mask of perfection. We want Christmas to appear for everyone else to be perfect. Because if we're really honest, oftentimes, and I'm kind of comparing this maybe to a young family, Christmas, for, for young families, and, and I've seen this many times before, Christmas goes something like this. The child, if they were really honest with their kids, the child opens their new computer. Thanks, mom and dad, for the new Apple laptop for Christmas. And if mom and dad were really honest, yeah, son, um, that costs a lot of money. And me and your dad argued for like two weeks about whether or not we would buy that for you. And then what happened is that, that argument dug up deeper stuff that we kept arguing about. And we really don't know how we're going to pay for it. We put it on a credit card. We had some money set aside for college. We went ahead and used that for you. That just doesn't make a good part of the Christmas experience, does it? But that's often what's really happening at times in this season. Some things in 
this time of year are actually kind of complicated. And the reason I only open any of this up, because I want you to understand in this season as it begins, that Jesus is interested in the truth behind the facade. I'm going to say that again. Jesus is interested in the truth behind the facade. See, what I want to talk to you about in the upcoming weeks is that this narrative of Christmas is not just one narrative being right or ignoring the other side of things. I want to show you how it takes conflict, stress to create perfection. And see, not only am I talking to you about Christmas, this Christmas season itself, I'm talking to you about the very first Christmas. All of these things are incorporated into this story because although painted with Christmas songs and Christmas programs and the Christmas story itself is one that is full of stress, full of wishing that things were different, full of feelings that seem as though things are not as good as they used to be. And in the middle of all of this good stuff and all of this bad stuff is Jesus. That's how the Christmas story is presented. See, the new Savior does not grab hold of everything beautiful about this story and claim it for his own. He also grabs everything dark and gives it a new perspective and makes it beautiful. And the reason, you know, and the reason that this happens, and I want, I want you to appreciate this as we begin this series, this is what makes the story of Christmas so beautiful, is Jesus made the story of God human. I'm going to say that again. On Christmas, Jesus made the story of God human. He took the frailness, the weakness of humanity, and made it relevant to God with us. He brought all of these things together and gave us new perspective on all of the dark stuff, even that that comes about in this season. So as Christ followers, we have the responsibility to find a way as often as we can to bring this season back to what it is really about, Christ. This story is about God becoming man. The story is about a God with us, about the Christmas, about the story of God being made human. Now, it was humanness. It was humanness of of two people, of a woman being pregnant with a child that was from God. That everyone else looked at her like, what is wrong with you? You're supposed to be a good Jewish girl. And a, a mate that she had that was right in the middle of this conflict. It's a story about two people who went back to the place to take a census. This is the part of the story that people often miss. They went back to a place where they're supposed to take a census in Bethlehem. That's where all of their family would have been, where other people they would have known would have been, where you would think if you were going to have a child, there would be someone to open up their doors to you. But they didn't, because there's this assumption that this child is being had out of wedlock. And so there's no room in Bethlehem, and the best they could find is is a nasty, stinky, old manger. See, there's a dark side to the Christmas story. And Jesus embraced all of it. Because he's a God 
in our he's a God in our strengths and he's a God in our weaknesses. So we, we want to grasp all of this this season. And <clears throat> so we're going to talk about the things that perhaps we don't want to talk about at Christmas, but they're the things we need to talk about the most as Christ followers. And so here, so here you go. Maybe you could guess what I'm going to talk about today. It wouldn't be Christmas without anxiety. Anyone excited about being anxious this Christmas? It's going to be great, right? I'm going to be thinking about these things all the time. Um, a couple definitions of anxiety, and you can put those all, you can put those up there next. It says. Anxiety is a feeling of, of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. And I love this next definition from a, a minister I was listening to. It says, a soul's distress when our hope is placed in the uncertain or the insecurable. I'm gonna look at that one again. Anxiety is a soul's distress when our hope is placed in the uncertain or the insecurable. I think I spelled that wrong in there, but that's okay. See, this second definition messed with me a little bit. Because many of us have an addiction to anxiety and we don't even know notice it. And sometimes, you know, whether we want to call it anxiety or excitement, I mean, you think about sports in general. The thing that we like about watching sports on television and, 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 you know, watching, you know, sports live is that element of unpredictability. We don't know what's going to happen. You know, if you've seen a movie five times in two days, hopefully you know what's going to happen at the end of it. There's no unpredictability. There's no excitement. It's just, it's just noise in the background, okay? But when you, you go watch a, uh, when, when you have something in life that you don't know, there's some excitement about it. Now, we have this addiction to it. Whatever term you want to put on it, whether you call it excitement or anxiety, what I want to focus on today is the stuff that consumes us. I want to talk about this addiction to anxiety that places worry at the top of the list for the order of the day. And come on, you know what I mean. That this whole day, I know I have a lot of things to do, but this is going to be the thing I think about all daggone day. It causes worry to be such a distraction that we can't be fully present to embrace anything else that the Lord has placed in front of us. That's the type of anxiety that I want to talk about today. And see, Scripture speaks directly to this in Matthew 6, 25 through, uh, 6, 25 through 27. Here's the first part I want to read. Matthew 6, 25 through 27. It says, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And then look at Matthew 6, and this is what I want to close this with. This text with Matt 6, 33 through 34. It says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. 
Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of his own. Now, so scripture offers a very simple solution to anxiety. And it's almost a thing that we don't want to do. And here it is. It's real simple. Seek first his kingdom. Seek first his kingdom. Now, I'm going to see how, I want to show you how this translates. Perhaps you may say, well, I do seek first his kingdom. I say all these little prayers every day. And that these little prayers are usually your list of things that you need to happen in your life. Like, Lord, I need you to help me have a good day today. Um, Lord, I need to make sure I have enough money to buy enough Christmas gifts. Lord, I need to make sure that I have enough time to get everything done. I need, I need, I need, I need. And so we've set the parameters of how God can move around our own agenda. Church. Now, don't get me wrong. It is a very good thing if that's, if that's what your life looks like, that you are in consistent communication with our Lord. Of course, that's what he wants of his people, to be in consistent communication with him. But I want us to take a look at what we've just done in light of what Scripture says to do. We have just asked God to fit into our agenda. But Scripture says, seek first his kingdom. That you would fit first into his agenda. That I am here, and what, is, so what does that look like? I am here first and foremost today. And answering, asking the question, Lord, what do you want from me? What, what do you want from me today? The Lord wants us to forgive someone today. He wants us to empower someone. He wants you to choose to love when you have the easy opportunity to hate. The Lord wants us to work hard with such joy that you affect the others around you. And the Lord wants you to know him more. And see, some of you have been praying those anxious prayers for years and have had no relief. And it's a good thing, but, but, but a great thing that you've learned to pray in your seasons of anxiety. But if it's not working out for you, can you consider the biblical solution of seeking first his kingdom? See... The difference is we're not trusting in these prayers that we prayed as much as trusting in the relationship of the one that we're praying to. There's a certain level of trust that we are called to have in this God who has called us that where we are right with him and we're doing what he's called us to do, there's peace. Because we're not consumed with the insecurable We're not consumed with the things that will always be uncertain. Because I promise you, when you get over the uncertainty of of today, there will be more uncertainty tomorrow. And if so, if we're going to live in that which we don't know everything about, we can't secure, we can't grab our hold to, we will always be anxious people. The Lord says, seek first my kingdom and I will bring you peace. So there's James 4, 1 through 4 is a text that works right in light with this, right right in parallel to this. Go to James 4, 1 through 4, Nick. It says, and this is an interesting text, and this this ties in with, with anxiety. It says, what causes fights and 
quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires, the battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. And you kill and covet, but you can't have what you want. And you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? And anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. What James is getting at in that passage is that are your prayers ultimately consumed with the will of God or are your prayers ultimately consumed with what you want? And anxiety is produced by what we think we need that is uncertain and insecurable. And if we continue to live in that world, we will always be anxious. And yet the Lord will always extend an arm and offer you peace and say, seek first my kingdom. Live for me first. And I want to give you this trust that when you see these, because what the Lord begins to do is he turns this anxiety into hope. You can put that word up there, hope. He turns this anxiety into hope. Where when we learn to, that he who began a good work in us will complete it, we actually get this new kind of excitement that God is good. He wants what's best for me. And whatever's going to be around the corner, whether, it's, whether the world would say it's greater conflict or whether the world would say it's success, no matter what, it's what the Lord has for me, and it's an opportunity for me to grow. And so where before we can, when we choose to follow Christ, where before when we're anxious, the Lord replaces it with excitement that I talked about. Remember, we like sports because of the excitement of unpredictability, because of not knowing what's next, but it's going to be great. It's going to be whatever's going to happen. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be cool. I'm trusting the Lord, and I'm excited about what is next. Now, the biblical word for that is the word hope. <coughs> expecting the best instead of expecting the worst. Believing that God is good instead of out to get getting you, out to get you. Believing that God's will is bigger than the prospective decisions of a few people or shifting circumstances. See, this tension between anxiety and hope has always been part of the Christmas story. So I want to share quickly with you a few Jewish expectations. I want to start by reading Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So, there's this constant, there was this yearning in the Old Testament. If you ever read the Old Testament, there's what's called many, many, many different Jewish expectations of what the Messiah would be like. Now, I'm just going to read a few of these things to you. These are some things that, that, that people were expecting the Messiah to come and be like. They were expecting him to bring a full knowledge of God. They were expecting him to come and resurrect the dead. They expected him to come and that everyone would worship one that would come that would bring universal peace, one that would regather the exiles, one that would provide freedom from the bondage of sin and death, and the one that would die for the sins of the world, the one that would put an end to sin and death, 
The one that would have a ministry to the poor and the believing remnant that would offer salvation to all mankind, that would bring Israel back to God. And he was to be the messenger. Not only was he to be the messenger of the new covenant, he was to be the new covenant. According to Jeremiah 31, 31, it says, as Jeremiah watched the temple be destroyed, he prophesies and he watches that the temple had been destroyed and he told he told Judah that this is what was going to happen and the leaders and the kings of Judah didn't listen to him and Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar took over and as Jeremiah is watching this, he says these stiff-necked people, the Lord is going to come back, he's going to do something new and step this time he's going to write his covenant upon their hearts. That new covenant has came to us in Christ. And if you read the Old Testament itself, I've actually asked a couple, had to answer a couple questions about this in previous weeks. There's so many things in, this old, in the Old Testament of Scripture that are complicated that if God is real and God is good, then why did this happen? I want to tell you that the Old Testament is a groaning, a yearning, anxiety for something better, a hope that someone better will be coming, the fulfillment of this. And that's the whole Old Testament. There's like, this is good, God and man are interacting, but there's this yearning, this groaning for something better, for something more. And now, in this place today, we need to appreciate that Christ has come and is the new covenant. And a new, where an Old Testament hope was about waiting and faithfulness, New Testament hope is about action and alertness. And today I tell you that anxiety squelches the Spirit of God. But hope is the compass that lets it live. Hope says, I'm going to believe God for what's next. Hope says, I'm going to trust in your word. And so, as our, I want to ask our deacons to come. And Rhonda, uh, are we, is she going to take first or last? I can't remember. Okay, Rhonda, and you, and you can be prepared to play in just a few moments. And and I, as we begin to partake, deacons, if you come forward, we're going to partake of communion in just a moment. When we get to our point of reflection time, I want us to consider that and consider seeking the Lord first. I want us to think of how, of, of, make that simple comparison. Are we just fitting God into our schedule right now? Are we here first for him? And I promise you there is peace in that latter scenario. See, because anxiety is like a personal hostage situation. It's a hostage standoff that takes away our peace and our joy. And here's what's so crazy about it. When it's all over, whether things it turned out for the worse or turned out for the best, we realize all those worries and all of those, all that, that, that stuff that we were feeling was not worth it. It was not necessary. We wasted way too much time thinking about those things. We wasted way too much time being consumed with those things. And we think that anxiety is holding hostage our, our, holding hostage our peace and our joy. But the truth is you've had it all along. It's like that fake hostage scenario where I got hostages and once you get to know what anxiety is, it's like, no, you don't. You don't have anything. I possess my joy. I possess my peace. And I choose my identity. I'm going to choose to find my identity first in Jesus Christ.
Instead of being consumed with the unknown and the insecurable. As Christ followers, we're called to be consumed with what is known. We are called to live in the reality. As I shared in the beginning, Jesus is interested in the truth behind the facade. Say, Lord, I know that you are faithful. I know that you want me to be one who fulfills your will here in this earth. And I know that you, you know what my purpose is for today. And I'm going to rest in the truth that you who began a good work in me will fulfill it. So at this time, before we partake of communion, I want to ask everyone to, to bow your head and close your eyes at this time. And I don't believe that I'm speaking about something foreign and far off. I don't think that I have to ask people to raise hands if you felt a little bit of anxiety or a lot of anxiety or feeling anxiety right now. It's part of life and it's part of this season. And this morning the Lord says, I want to offer you peace. The Lord wants to say, will you stop worrying about all the unknowns? They're always going to be there. They're going to be there tomorrow. They're going to be there the next day. The Lord says, I want to offer you peace, peace that comes from what is known. I am your God. I will not fail you. Trust in me. So in your own heart right now, I want you to, whatever, whatever is happening spiritually in your mind, and your heart, I want you to say yes to the Lord. Say, Lord, forgive me for carrying these burdens that you never intended for me to carry. Forgive me for being consumed with all of the things that really just don't matter that much. And Lord, give me an eternal perspective. See, the Lord set up moments just like this to where we would be reminded of who we are. We are first his children. He said in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, it says, The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. And do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. It's the same reminder that we have this morning. Come back to the table. Be reminded of who you are. You still need my life. You still need my death. And seek first my kingdom. At this time, I want to invite you to come forward as you feel ready. You can come forward and partake of communion. I'll be standing to the side. I'd love to pray with you if you would be in need of prayer. So you're invited to come forward for communion at this time. Go on first.
Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you are a God that is present. That you are a God that reminds us that you are here. And that you are always, you're not a God that brings condemnation, but you bring conviction that reminds us that there is a greater peace and a greater joy that we can choose to have any time we want to when we say yes to your will. So Lord, this week, this whole season, there will always be that temptation to be anxious, that temptation to worry. And the moment I pray, they would hear that still small voice saying, I am near and I've called you for greater things than these. Trust me, I have your life in the palm of my hand. So may we trust you with everything that we have, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.